Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake, episode 38. My name is Rob Hayes and joining me on the phone again this week is Pete Selby. Pete, I've got two minor miracles to share with you. The first of which is that I'm in a 30th floor apartment in Sheffield right now covering the World Snooker Championship and would you believe it is actually snowing? The second miracle is that Leicester are going to win the league. Your thoughts? Are they going to win it? Are they Are they actually mathematically secure? Has the trophy been lifted? Have the, uh, I would say, have the scarves and t-shirts been printed? But I can hear a whirling noise away in the distance in Leicestershire, and I think that's all the, uh, the garments being made. Um, well, as you know, Rob, um, first of all, hello. Um, secondly... Uh, you know that we've not said that they're going to win the league and we've been quite coy. But this is obviously being recorded after the Spurs draw at home to West Brom and the just eruption of um, people now really believing it's going to happen and saying where and when. And just the, the outpouring of emotion when the final whistle went was unbelievable. Not just face-to-face, but online. Uh, over the phone, etc., etc. I'm sure everyone had their their own kind of moments, but uh, that's br- brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. Get in, you almighty baggies! Uh, we tweeted from at FFS Pod simply. I can't breathe. Well, it's true. It's true. I mean, uh, obviously, you're up there watching um, people uh, hit balls with a cue into pockets, and uh, obviously, if Mark Selby wins, brilliant. If he doesn't win, no one cares. Um, so basically, you're you're up there, and I presume you're watching Spurs game, or had it on uh, in the corner, or, or had a, a live stream or something. But I was watching it, um, and it was extraordinary, really, because Spurs played and they started how we thought they would do, just like an absolute train. They're, they are a decent team, very decent team going forward. They just couldn't break um, West Brom down. Had a, a bit of bad luck with the the ball hitting the post a couple of times. Bowes, Myhill making a couple of great saves, but when they went one the in front, that's where the floodgates should have opened. But a lot of credit has to go to West Brom and especially Tony Pulis because what he must have said at half-time, we're not going out like this on TV, don't give them the rest of the game, don't let them just run around you like they are. And, and West Brom came out second half and played like heroes, absolute heroes, got the goal, never looked like really conceding after that. They almost could have gone and won, which would have been even better, but... A fantastic, fantastic result for Leicester, leaving us seven points clear at the top of the table with only three games remaining. Yeah, after the 2-2 draw, Leicester-West Brom at the King Power Stadium, I was commentating. I can't remember if you were there or not, but Tony Pulis came in, did his usual stand-up press conference to to address the mass media assembled, and he declared, after that 2-2 draw with Leicester, that he was a Leicester City fan. He said after the Spurs game in his press conference that he really wants us to go on and win it now. What a favour he's done us. Oh, what a massive favour. It was just a, a really good professional performance in the second half. And one thing you have to say, let's just talk about Tottenham Hotspur. Now, granted, 
they need to win every single game or needed to win every single game. Um, they started well, like I said, but when they went 1-0 up, they almost went into their shell. How did they just absolutely bottle it? Did they just bottle it in the second half? Um, being put under a little bit of pressure, the team almost folded and, and, and really panicked. All the energy and, and drive and flair was, was just not there in the second half. And one thing to say, the crowd. Where were the crowd? The, the King Power, is, is, as we all know, is just absolutely barmy at the moment. As soon as West Brom scored, and even just before that, it was silent. The old cry of, come on you Spurs, where's all this Leicester City, we're coming for you chance? As soon as Spurs needed the crowd, they were not there. It was silent for the last 20 minutes. Something that you would not have heard at the King Power Stadium on Sunday if, say, Leicester were level with 20 minutes to go. The place would have been going barmy to try and get Leicester uh, to push forward and get the three points. So, did Spurs bottle it? I think the players might have, but I'll tell you who did definitely bottled it, and that's the crowd. The fans and the players have bottled it for Spurs. People have been talking about the pressure on Leicester City for so, so long. We've been leading from the front. Sometimes the gap's been bigger than others and everyone's saying the pressure is on Leicester and time and time again, we've delivered. We've stood up to that pressure under Ranieri saying, keep calm, keep calm, my players, keep calm. They've kept calm. They've let others falter before them and we're still going strong. I mean, in our game on Sunday, which I presume... Did you watch the game on Sunday live? Did you manage to get a, a pizza? I did, yeah, yeah. In the, we're all obviously sports fans in the press room of uh, at the World Snooker Championship, so we do watch the snooker, but also have plenty of football on in the background as well. I did, I did catch most of it, and we were just unbelievably good. So, OK, Swansea weren't great in, in a few aspects, and defensively they weren't, they weren't particularly strong, but as an overall performance... To react to the West Ham game in that way, I said it could happen. I, I write a weekly blog as well. I wrote in that that Spurs could be uh, Swansea could be in for a real thrashing, and that's how it proved. I think it was on the last podcast. Well, whilst I was sitting in the car park in Loughborough, that uh, I said it would be three nil, and uh, and obviously I was uh, one goal shy. Um, obviously, I wasn't there. I, we've mentioned in a previous pod that at the moment it's slightly awkward with the uh, with the for Fox Eight podcast because you're in Sheffield for the duration of the snooker I'm back down in Leicestershire and then from next weekend I will be away for a week down in Weymouth so even further away so um, I was in Blackpool of all places on Sunday uh, hosting the Blackpool Marathon half marathon and 10k um, but did, you, did your announcer voice just come out then? it did yes <laughs> it did uh, there you go uh, get in contact if you need anything for your uh, for your local event or your your next uh, marathon, fun run, or a charity event. AlanMarchSport.com, remember. Exactly, AlanMarchSport.com. So anyway, so I did not see the game, but I've seen plenty of highlights. I've spoke to a million and five people in the two days since. Um, So I think I've got a pretty good understanding of how it went, plus the fact that I've been to every single game so far, bar the Man City game. Uh, First of all, a brave decision by Claudio. He decided to replace Albrighton with Schlupp to add a bit of directness and pace that was going to be missing because of Vardy being suspended. So a real brave decision there. An early goal, I think I said again on the podcast last time, an early goal would pretty much see off Swansea and we got the goal through an error from Ashley Williams. Give it to Riyad Mahrez, who obviously later on picked up Player of the Year award, um, who calmly slotted it home. Ojero with a header to make it 2-0 and then it was just a floodgates. It was uh, a quote from a certain fan, my dad, 
Uh, it was the, the, the nicest game to watch because he could relax. It was one of the first games he could actually relax and watch this season because everything's been so close or, or coming back from deficits or just being one goal in front in recent times. But this was the first time that they could, you could relax, granted being 3 or 4 nil up, of course. But uh, it sounded like it was also the loudest that a King Power crowd's been. I mean, heaven knows what it's going to be like against Everton. But uh, just a fantastic game. Granted, against opponents who were possibly already on the beach, but we know that uh, Stoke City were against Tottenham Hotspur. A really good performance, and of course, putting more pressure onto Spurs, which obviously then they end up uh, caving in the day later. They did. Just a word on the crowd. Obviously, I was watching it, uh, the TV coverage. Normally, uh, we're there out of the ground, myself and, and yourself, Pete. But uh, the, the cameras, the ones that are sort of attached to the stadium to give a nice big... Uh, wide shot of the crowd or a big wide shot of the pitch itself they were wobbling so much that they couldn't focus on one player I mean it tried to zoom in on Ajoa at one point from one of the wider shot cameras and it was just bouncing up and down constantly with the crowd I mean we know we've made earthquakes in in recent weeks and the atmosphere at the King Power is just incredible but wobbling cameras the whole ground is physically shaking now that we get closer to the Premier League title Exactly, just in complete contrast to White Hart Lane. Um, it, it, it makes an awful lot of difference. And it, it's, nothing, it's nothing new for a, a club to be top of the league and their crowds are getting behind them. But I think this, the crowd at, at the King Power Stadium is something special. It's something that hasn't been seen before, really for a, a team pushing for the league. In, in the way that they, they, I think they do have that massive effect on the players. Because it hasn't just been one or two games. It's been absolutely constant. And if you think a crowd deserves to be nervous, it's going to be Leicester because they've never done this. This is all brand new. So if any crowd deserves to be nervous, it's going to be this. Plus half of them have got a couple of quid on at 5,000 to one. So they're thinking with the pockets as well as their hearts. So it's, it's, it's just a fantastic effort all round. And credit goes to the club for the clappers, which was mentioned before, the banners, the flags, uh, the TIFO by the Union FS boys in the cop. Once again, fantastic. Um, all these little things just add up to what hopefully will be rounded off maybe next weekend as the greatest season that will ever be at the football club. It's just going so well. Um, one thing we do have to look at is the game uh, in itself against Swansea. We've gone through the goals and the great performances. Uh, but a couple of moments I'll pick out. Gimari Gray, what a player he looks he can just beat players at will, can't he, Damari Gray? And he got a good run out because we were so far ahead and Ranieri thought, right, this is a good chance for me to rest key players in case we desperately need them for the last three games or so. Uh, and, and give these players that have been patiently waiting in the wings and who haven't had their opportunities through no fault of their own. It's not anything that the likes of Gray and Ajoa and King have done wrong. It's the, it's the fact that the starting eleven has been so consistent throughout the season that they've been sidelined. So it was good that he got a, a decent chunk of time to showcase his skill. And he was just... The, the defenders might might as well have not been there at times. It was a great link-up between the three. I'm not entirely sure how much Andy King went to head it back across the grey. Oh, no, of course he didn't. All three, it was great for all three substitutes to uh, link up in one way or the other for the fourth goal. A fantastic performance. Uh, we do have to mention uh, Swansea... They were very poor, and we wanted people's nominations if there were any for the best or worst 11, which we'll compile at the end of the season. And we've got a few through, haven't we, Rob? We have, yeah. Uh, Matthew Davison has tweeted to us, at FFSPod on Twitter. 
replaced all of the existing entries in Worst Eleven for the Swansea team yesterday. Contest over. So every single member of the Swansea team to go into the Worst Eleven, says Matthew Davison. Uh, and Rob Jones has also tweeted in saying Ashley Williams for Worst Eleven has to be. I, I don't think we can disagree with that because, I mean, for an international footballer who's likely to start at the um, at the Euros in the summer for Wales, that, that performance was so, so poor. Yeah, so obviously the highlight would be just passing it to Riyad Mahrez for the opening goal. And I think just for that alone, unless he came back with a, a goal of his own or maybe an absolutely outstanding performance from then on, uh, that might kind of get, get around that area. He might make up for it. But it has to go down in the worst 11, purely for the opening goal going to Leicester so early from just a, a dreadful mistake from Ashley Williams. Um, and, and then after that, his team just absolutely folded. So uh, a poor performance all around, but highlighted by that one big mistake. So Ashley Williams goes into the worst 11 of the season, and that will be updated through the Facebook group and also Twitter. Tremendous. Just a couple of Leicester players I want to pick out, Pete. Um, we said that Mares had gone missing a little bit in recent weeks and it was time for him to prove that he was the big game player that he that he promised to be in, in this sort of stage of the season. And up he pops with a, with a terrific performance and then capped off by him getting PFA Player of the Year. A brilliant award, first African to win it. Perfect for him, perfect for the club if we can round it off as a as a title-winning season. But also Leo Ajoa, um, who had been impressing us off the bench in recent weeks. We expected him to start in place of Jamie Vardy up front. He did so. He looked focused. His work rate was there. He got a couple of goals. He was an absolute handful. So that them two were my two standout players for the match. I don't know what you thought. I completely agree. Massive Leo fan. Uh, it's nice to see him score some goals. It's nice to see him come back on, as we mentioned, uh, maybe a little bit leaner, fitter, uh, a bit more a bit more pace about him, half a yard of pace he's gathered. But also, his touch has been fantastic in recent weeks. He's come on, he's scored a few goals, he's now taken the mantle away from, uh, from Vardy, obviously because he's not been playing, uh, and he's managed to stick it in the back of the net a couple of times. Uh, fantastic play from him. And again, Marys, like you said, uh, deservedly won the PFA Player of the Year award and what a time to score a goal and, and, and to perform like he did on Sunday as well. Um, also, all the players, I think there was five helicopters went down from after the game down to London. Diamari Gray nearly got a very short haircut as well off one of them. Uh, so it, it just shows what, you know, what a club we have right now. Not only do we go and win a, a game against 4-0 against a, a Premier League team to go uh, eight points at the time clear at the top of the league, but then the players get their suits on, pile into five helicopters, down to the PFA Play of the Year awards, which we pretty much clean up. Let's look ahead now then, Pete, to the upcoming match away at Old Trafford, Manchester United. If we win there... We win the Premier League, but we'll have to do it without Jamie uh, Jamie Vardy, who's got another uh, a one-game extension to his ban after finger-wagging at John Moss's awful performance against West Ham. I'm sure he said a couple of choice words as well that we can't repeat. This is, of course, uh, a family show to some extent. Uh, but no Jamie Vardy, but you're expecting the same start in 11. And, and would you like to win it at Old Trafford? Or does part of you hope that we don't quite get the result needed so that we can win it at home to Everton? No, we want to win it there. It's called the Theatre of Dreams for one reason, and that's for, obviously, Manchester United and their fans. But why can't it be ours? What a way to win it. What a place to go and, and win a game and win the league. Um, one word on Jamie Vardy's extra ban. I think it was always going to happen. Uh, I thought a very, very good uh, 
tweet was sent out by uh, Gary Lineker. Um, he said that it's very odd that they decided towards the end of the season to start stamping down on this sort of thing. And if they are going to be doing this to Vardy, then they'll need to start doing it to all players. And it'd be very interesting to see whether that takes place. Why John Moss had to actually include it in his match report, I don't really know. Surely, uh, with all the controversy around uh, the, the game and the penalties, etc., etc., you would have thought the first thing John Moss would have wanted to happen was everyone just kind of forget about the game. So for him to then report that incident just means that he gets brought back into the limelight once again. So um, I think a bit of possible bad form on his behalf. But he's been banned for an extra game. He's going to miss the Man United game. Uh, Leicester are going to miss him. I presume they're going to play the same team with Schlupp out wide, adding that bit of directness and pace like we mentioned earlier, a Joe up top. I want to go and win it there. If Leicester lose and then Spurs lose away at Chelsea, it means that we've got the league there. I don't really care how it happens. What I would like, I know exactly what you're saying about the Everton game. I would like it all to be done and dusted so Leicester fans can then turn up on the Saturday whenever they want, before the game, even in the morning, and just and hopefully it's a nice day, and just have a celebration day. You know what I mean? It's all sorted. We know they're going to lift the trophy at the end of the game. Just let's get it all sorted as soon as we can, either by us winning or Spurs losing. Let's just get it sorted, and then we can just have a really celebratory day at the King Power Stadium, which obviously we'll both be there, uh, and I think we'll obviously do a bit of recording at the ground as well. It will be a fantastic day. I don't want to turn up wanting a point or anything like that. I want it all to be done and dusted. You want it all to be done and dusted at Old Trafford. Where will you be watching the game from on Sunday, Pete? Well, like I said, I will be in Weymouth, so I presume you'll still be at the snooker. Am I right? I'm, I'm still supposed to be at the snooker, but I'm exploring a couple of uh, avenues that might see me uh, venture across to Manchester for an afternoon. All right. Oh, OK. Well, you will be up there. I will be in Weymouth of all places. So, if anyone is listening to this podcast news who is going to be in Weymouth next week, first of all, hello. Secondly, where can I watch the game? So, um, I will be down there watching it uh, with uh, my family or Leicester fans and if they decide to win the game, I'm pretty sure a bottle of champagne or two might be bought and celebrated. Uh, so how we're going to do the pod next week, absolutely no idea, but we'll come across uh, we'll cross that hurdle when we get to it. And obviously, like I said, the main thing will be uh, doing some recording at the Everton game. We'll uh, obviously be both back in the for Fox 8 HQ after that game, but uh, so that will be a cracking podcast. So yeah, I'll be watching it on TV, hopefully in the sun somewhere, and uh, just cheering on Leicester like we all have been all season. How it's going to happen, I don't know. I just want them to go out and perform like they have done all season. I'm pretty sure they will. Manu, tough game, doesn't matter how well they're playing no matter what game they've got to look forward to in the future, such as the cup final, they're a dangerous team pushing for a top four place. So it's going to be a difficult game. I think they're going to take the same lineup and just attack the game like they would do. Almost the shackles are off. Do we need a point? Oh yeah, points, great. But we should go for the three. Fighting talk from Pete Selby. That's about it for this episode of For Fox Sake. Apologies that we're separated by uh, about 100 miles or so up the M1, maybe slightly less than that. Uh, but do get in contact with us here at For Fox Sake at FFS Pod. We are on Twitter, For Fox Sake Podcast at gmail.com. Search us on Facebook. We're on Reddit as well. You can listen through iTunes, SoundCloud, and all the various different bits and bobs. We'd love to hear from you between now and the Manchester United game. Would you like to win it 
at Old Trafford and have the Premier League done and dusted? Or would you rather there's still a little bit to play for against Everton in the final home game of the season? And do you want the celebrations to be there and then at the end of that match? Let us know at FFSPod on Twitter and we will join you by hook or by crook, some way, by some satellite, after we beat Manchester United and lift the Premier League title. <laughs>